always plenty to talk about on this Tuesday, January 10th. And welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. We are honored to stand right here behind this desk each day to take you on a journey across black America and the stories that impact our people. We're gonna bring you our news, our views, and our voice. Let's tap into today's top headline. Police in Boston are looking for a missing teen last seen leaving his home Saturday afternoon. Police say 13-year-old Jamari Norwood was reported missing around 6 p.m. Sunday. He is described as a light-skinned black male, about 5'4", with a skinny build. Norwood was last seen wearing a black sweatshirt and sweatpants, Nike sneakers with black, green, and white colors. Police also say Norwood is known to frequent the South Bay Shopping Center in Dorchester for those soulmates familiar with the area. Now anyone with information is asked to call the number you see here on your screen. In Dallas, a 12 year old boy is safe and back home with his family after being reported missing for days. Dallas police tell us that 12 year old Kylon Speed was initially reported missing on January 9th, now last seen by family in the area of Southwest Moreland Road. However, police report this morning that the boy has been found safe. We would not elaborate on uh, where the child was located or where they had been. A supporter of former President Donald Trump and member of the political commentator duo known as Diamond and Silk has died on Monday. Trump announced the death of Lynette Diamond Hardaway on his Truth Social platform. The official Diamond and Silk Twitter account later confirmed the news, writing, quote, the world just lost a trust uh, angel and warrior patriot for freedom, love and humanity. Trump went on to say Hardaway died at her home in North Carolina and called the death, quote, really bad news for Republicans and frankly, all Americans. Her cause of death was not immediately shared. Hardaway was 51. There are new reports that the son of Antonio Armstrong, who played for the Miami Dolphins, will be going to trial for the third time for the murder of his mother and father. The son, Antonio A.J. Armstrong Jr., is accused of killing his parents while they slept in their Houston home back in 2016. A.J. says he's innocent, but remains charged following two criminal trials that have both ended with hung juries and says the biggest change of his life was becoming a dad. AJ says he's been on house arrest for over 1,700 days. And unfortunately, we have another tragic story in Memphis as a teen is in police custody after shooting and killing his father in front of police officers. Now, according to reports, police were called to their home on January 7th, where they found 18-year-old Ramarian Baker and his father, father kneeling on the ground as if they were fighting. Now, one of the officers on scene witnessed the son shoot his father three times and then place the gun to his own head. Officers managed to get the gun away from Baker and take him into custody. No word on a possible motive. Baker has been charged with second degree murder. A community is in mourning and demanding answers in Los Angeles after the relative of a Black Lives Matter founder is dead following an encounter with police. In an Instagram post, Patrice Cullors, author and co-founder of Black Lives Matter, revealed to her followers that her cousin, Kenan Anderson, was killed by LAPD on January 3rd. Anderson is the father of a young boy and an educator who taught English. 
According to the LAPD, a traffic cop encountered Anderson running in the middle of the street and exhibiting erratic behavior. That's when officers used a taser, body weight, firm grips, and joint locks on Anderson shortly before he died. He died after going into cardiac arrest. The LAPD didn't release a public statement acknowledging the death until three days later. Colors says Keenan deserves to be alive right now. His child deserves to be raised by his father. What a tragic yeah. um, story coming out of Los Angeles mm -hmm. um, and a reminder of what led to uh, the founding of Black Lives Matter in the mm -hmm. first place. You yeah. know, when that first hashtag, you know, hit social media, it was inspired, you know, by uh, Trayvon Martin's case mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. what felt like a lack of justice there, but it was also a clarion call to, you know, uh, all of the officer-involved uh, arrest and shootings mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, fatal encounters that, uh, uh, start, have started uh, very similarly to the way that uh, Patrice Culler's uh, cousin's encounter with LAPD started. There's still so many more details to come out, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that's just what's been shared thus far. Yeah, and as we circle back around to that uh, collection, if you will, of stories stemming, just tragic stories uh, stemming uh, from family, it, it sounds like some mental illness there, some family uh, dysfunction, and it really taps into the whole need to continue uh, to tap in as family members as the village uh, and maybe in, in some cases maybe kind of force or barge your way in to some sort of knowing and understanding of what really might be happening in these uh, family uh, dynamics. It's a complete breakdown and, and my hope and my prayer is that uh, as we continue in this new year, we'll be better able to support and manage and identify uh, when uh, families and individuals who are parts of families are in crisis because it's it, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's this kind of a fallout that we continue to hear about. Yeah, and it's also a reminder that just because somebody's displaying erratic behavior, like that shouldn't lead to somebody's death, mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, yes, officers need to, to do what they need to do, mm -hmm. but in doing that, it shouldn't mean, you know, that loss of life happens. And so whether it's, you know, using the taser or shooting first and ask questions later, you know, that's a part of what uh, the movement has been about. Uh, and so we'll continue to keep our eye on this story as it develops. Uh, but now off to Georgia, where if at first you don't succeed, try again. That's the motto of Stacey Abrams following her second defeat against Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. During her appearance on the Drew Barrymore show, Democratic gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams revealed her intentions to run for political office again. On the show, the topic she focused on was her voter initiatives. When asked what's next, armed Abrams responded with, I will likely run again, as the audience exploded into cheers. However, Abrams admitted she didn't know when she'd run again, but says it'll happen. Oh, wow, that's still big news. All right, sticking with politics for a minute, House Republicans pass a rules package for the new 118th Congress. What's included? We're going to tell you. More barriers to raise the debt limit. No more proxy voting, meaning it must be done in person from the House floor. There are also changes coming to the Ethics Committee, uh, implementing term limits for board members and allowing complaints from the public, so mates like us. The rules package also allows a single member to launch a vote to out McCarthy from his speakership role. Some Republicans say they expect that rule to go unused. 
While Biden continues his North American Leaders Summit in Mexico, documents marked as classified were recovered from a D.C. office used by the then vice president before leaving the Obama administration. And it didn't take long for Republicans to slam the president for his mishandling, which occurs months after the FBI raided the home of former President Donald Trump. Now, the documents have already been seized by the National Archives and are being investigated by a special counsel. Chicago-based U.S. Attorney John Lausch, who is a holdover from the Trump administration, will now lead this investigation. If you are looking for a miracle, I think we got one for you. It's a sign of remarkable progress for Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin. He is back in Buffalo after going into cardiac arrest and having to be resuscitated on the field during a Monday night football game in Cincinnati. Hamlin says he's grateful for the awesome care he received at UCMC and is happy to be home. He also says the doctors and nurses at Buffalo General have already made him feel at home and he's already had a visit from his head coach, Sean McDermott. That is a wonderful story. That miracle continues to happen. I love how you how you coined that uh, just the other day because it is definitely a miracle. I mean, this technically he lost his life from what we gather a couple of times, uh, maybe once on the field. I don't know if it was during transportation or at the hospital, but uh, the the expertise of uh, the medical staff, as as uh, Hamlin mentioned, and then just you know God's will, and also his youth, and the fact that these athletes are in tip top condition. These are the best of the best. And so if there's going to be an injury, even though this is unprecedented, you would think they'd be able to, to come back, as a lot of them have when it comes to broken bones and, and bruises and things of that nature, and then the support and, of, of their medical uh, 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 personnel that they have from team to team. Um, but this is something a little different. And so it, it, it leads into that whole idea of a miracle and, and his work here on Earth in this physical form obviously is not done. Yeah, and it's a really good opportunity, you know, for, you know, the NFL. I mean, we're, we're not talking about a lot of other issues that the NFL is having to, to work with, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, this is a demonstration of what it looks like for everybody to rally around him and, right. and, and support him. I know the people of, of Buffalo um, are, are, are hanging in there with Hamlin and are also uh, hoping for a Super Bowl. Come on now, uh, you know they are. You know, they're looking for some good news coming out <laughs> Out of Buffalo. Right. Buffalo's been in the headlines, oh. you know, quite a bit in 2022, right. you right. know, from the mass uh, shooting at Topps Grocery Store in Buffalo to uh, the deep freeze, as you yes, mentioned. that took dozens of lives. Yeah, you know, mm. and so it, it's great to see some good news, you know, coming out of Buffalo, and we uh, absolutely uh, wish him a speedy recovery. That's right. Yeah. Um, now, convenient, but risky. That's how a Milwaukee woman describes an app many of us have right here on our phones and say we uh, all should be careful before using these easy payment methods. Fox's Jenna Sachs has the story. It was like 2.30 in the morning and my phone just started dinging, like an alert. $200, $200, $200 is coming out of my account. Karen Brimley-Massey lost more than $2,000 through an app she thought would make life easier. For my, my daughters to conveniently send them money. More than three quarters of Americans have used a payment app or website at least once, like PayPal, Venmo, or Zelle. For Karen, it was Cash App. If I tell my story, 
Hopefully other people will too. Karen says a hacker created fake Cash App profiles using her daughter's names and pictures, then transferred Karen's money into the scam accounts. They didn't spell their names right. There were pictures like they pulled like from Facebook or something. After draining her Cash App account, Karen says the scammer went after her savings account linked to the app. She tried to get her money back, but Cash App said this transaction was authorized by you or someone you authorized. Your dispute has been closed. I absolutely did not authorize it. That issue of trust is one of the major reasons why people say they forego using these at all. Monica Anderson of the Pew Research Center says one third of payment app or site users report little or no confidence their personal information is being kept safe from hackers. And 13 percent of users say they've sent money to a scammer. I am not saying that do not use the, these apps. I am saying the following. Use these apps in uh, a secure way. Khaled Sabha at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee says payment apps are convenient and fast, but come with risk. Money transferred in error is usually gone for good. Before authorizing a transaction, double check the recipient is exactly who you think it is. Log out when you're done using the app and connect your account to a credit card instead of a bank account, even though the app may charge a fee. Credit card companies have better fraud protection. Cash App sent us a link to its support page, which has tips like only sending money to people you trust and double checking the recipient's information. There is no safety net. There is nothing to protect you. Karen, meanwhile, is closing her Cash App account. With this generation, easy is better, but easy is not better. Now, surprise, surprise, it appears mm. Cash App reopened her case, but Brimley Massey says her last email to Cash App, Cash App went unanswered. And so many uh, good tips coming out yeah. of uh, this report here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, make sure to, to connect your credit card mm -hmm. and not your account. I'm going to go back and check my apps to make sure uh, mm -hmm. that that's the case. I know that uh, I, I uh, typically link to my credit card. Uh, and, you know, the trust factor really is, is important here. I, I'm sure the folks that are listening at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau are mm -hmm. going to pay a little extra close attention to this because, mm -hmm. you know, this is new. All the apps, you know, whether we're talking about Cash App or Venmo, but the ability to be able to transfer cash mm -hmm. uh, outside of, you know, a traditional uh, yeah. checking or, or checking account or banking account. Um, this is still relatively new, and so uh, it's important that we stay on the lookout, not just around the holidays, mm -hmm. but every day. But here's the thing. It's relatively new, but this is what institutions are pushing. This is what technology is pushing. You can't even get a hold of a customer rep uh, via Cash App, if I'm not mistaken. So I have a tendency to lean towards uh, those that are established via a bank like Zelle. Um, you can get a hold to a human uh, via uh, Apple Pay. And for me and, and for some soulmates who, who either don't have a credit card or, or don't have that option to use a credit card, then we have to lean back in on, on the trust factor. And a lot of times when I use a Cash App, um, I'm making sure I'm standing right in front of the person. I've got my phone. Is this you? Uh, and 
just, you know, over verify that you're sending it to the right person because I've, I've just unfortunately heard some horror stories more associated with Cash App because there's not that support as uh, the uh, lady in the uh, package alluded to, not that much support to, to help when something does go wrong. So uh, they want us to use these things. It's more convenient. They make money off of it. They have to be very, very vigilant, even more so to make sure we're secure. It's another example, trust but verify. That's right. Still ahead, a wrong move from Walmart that they're now trying to make good on. That's right. We're going to tell you the latest racial mistake mm. the major retailer has made. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. We'll be right back. To the Virginia School District now, where a six-year-old is alleged to have intentionally shot a teacher in a classroom last Friday, has had three instances of gun violence on district property in the past 17 months. That's right, Courtney. Before Friday's incidents, shootings at two other schools within the Newport News public school system had shaken the community. In September 2021, a 16-year-old reportedly fired several shots in a busy hallway in Heritage High School, injuring two 17-year-olds. Less than two months later, Damari Batten, who was 18, fatally shot Justice Dunham, who was 17, in the parking lot of Minchville High School after a football game. District Superintendent George Parker III asked for community support to reduce the chance a child could gain access to a gun and a message late Saturday to district families and staff. My goodness. Okay, three black high school students in southeast Georgia have filed a federal civil, civil rights lawsuit against the school district alleging, quote, deliberate indifference to racial uh, animosity and a unconstitutional dress code that prohibits the wearing of any clothes bearing Black Lives Matter messaging. They claim school administrators deliberately ignored complaints about acts of racial intimidation and bigotry at Effingham County High School and Effingham College and Career Academy. They're located about 20 miles outside of Savannah. Now, according to the lawsuit, multiple black students were told that Black Lives Matter messaging uh, constitutes a disruption, while the Confederate flag, quote, represents heritage, not hate, and is a point of pride rather than disruption. All right, not so fast, soulmates. Our kids may want to keep their mask in their book bags a little while longer. That's why more schools across the United States are putting mask mandates in place as COVID-19 cases continue to rise. Before winter break, districts in New Jersey and Pennsylvania announced that they would temporarily be requiring masks among students and staff members amid a surge of respiratory illnesses. Now, schools in Massachusetts and Michigan, uh, they're following suit while Chicago schools are asking students to take rapid tests before class starts. Data from the CDC shows that COVID-19 cases are increasing even as cases of RSV and influenza are trending downward. I was just reading, uh, you know, an article that that we are trending back up. You know, those those variants continue to, to form and, and, and cause havoc. If you've been keeping up uh, uh, with China, they are still uh, severely handicapped uh, from this uh, COVID-19 virus. That has a lot to do with uh, vaccines that they, you know, choose not to choose not to use. But here back in the States, 
We've talked about this before. We were just talking about this at the end of the show. We were walking back up the hallway to the second floor and, and this whole idea of putting the genie back in the bottle. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know folks who in the midst of the pandemic and, and, and a little thereafter were staunch mask wearers. And now it's like, huh? Eh. So I don't, I don't know how you, how you, you know, once you lifted everything and people were quote unquote free of wearing these masks, how do you now then recondition folks to put them back on? Yeah, I think part of it is we are still learning how to live in mm -hmm. a COVID-19 world. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I know when I travel on the plane, mm -hmm. I put my mask on. Right. Um, you know, I know that when I'm in, you know, close physical contact with lots of people I don't know, um, you know, I keep that mask nearby. And so, you know, I think we all have to learn how to live with it and recognize that there are going to be peaks and valleys along the way. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, mm -hmm. right now we're peaking in terms of uh, COVID-19 cases. They're on the rise. And so we got to make sure that we keep that mask nearby and that we wash our hands and we do all the things we can make sure that we are uh, vaccinated mm -hmm. and boosted mm -hmm. um, because the difference between now versus a couple years ago is we know what we can do. That's right. Right now, it's a matter of whether or not we have the will to actually do it. Right. And let's let's keep up those hygiene and, and courtesy practices. Wash those hands really good. If you feel sick, if you can, stay at home or put on a mask, and uh, you know just be vigilant. Uh, yeah. You know individually and collectively. And I think we can keep this thing under control. But like we said earlier in this pandemic, this thing is around to stay. So we've got to manage it. Yeah, and we don't mm -hmm. want people to suffer. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of suffering, uh, when women in America suffer, black women suffer the most. You don't say. Never is this truer than when it comes to pregnancy, where staggering racial disparities in maternal and infant health represent an ongoing public health crisis in dire need of solutions. Now, there's a new study that finds that even the wealthiest black women are unable to escape this harm. The California study found that household income plays absolutely no role in determining maternal and infant health outcomes. In fact, the effects caused by structural racism are so strong that even the wealthiest black women and their newborns experience worse outcomes than those from the lowest income white families. In 2020, maternal death rates were 62% higher in states where abortion was restricted or banned than in the rest of the country. For the second day in a row, thousands of nurses from two of New York City's largest hospitals are taken to the streets. That's right, nurses from Mount Sinai and Montefiore Medical Center are calling for better working conditions and more adequate staffing. The union says they bargained late into the night on Sunday, but no tentative agreements were reached. Patients are now being moved to different area hospitals for continued treatment. And, you know, this is not the first strike that we've seen. Mm -hmm. We've reported on a number of, of strikes. Mm -hmm. uh, there were uh, teachers, assistants and researchers uh, 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 striking at the University of California system. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen Amazon workers here in the United States and around the world. Uh, protesting uh, and we also see now uh, nurses in New York protesting yeah. and so there is there is something afoot where uh, in this sort of you know COVID-19 environment mm -hmm. 
you know, we have, you know, people on the front lines that are saying, hey, you know, um, we need, you know, a little bit more pay. We need better working conditions. Uh, and so it's important that we look at this story not in isolation, but it's mm -hmm. a part of a larger organized labor movement that I think is, yeah. is uh, resurging uh, at home and abroad. Yeah, but in isolation, you know, we just talked about uh, COVID cases uh, uh, up, upping, if you will. Uh, and, and this is, you know, this is something that, you know, is, is not going to be good to be happening uh, while we're still dealing with, uh, you know, the effects of COVID-19. And really, you know, I feel like the rest of society moved on as cases still uh, carried on. And the, the medical, uh, you know, community have, has never really caught a break. And I think, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind, and we have forgotten that. And this very well could, could be what has pushed them, you know, over the edge um, as the pandemic uh, really brought to light uh, some of the shortcomings that nurses and, and, and medical staff and, and medical and uh, hospital employees in general uh, have had to uh, deal and contend with. And so um, it, it's unfortunate because you, you, you're, you're concerned about the care of patients with the lack of nurses. Um, but, you know, maybe they've just gotten to a point, obviously, that this is what uh, they needed to do to get some sort of response and some sort of change. And that is what I find unfortunate. And you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we lived in the darkest days of, of the pandemic mm -hmm. where we were, you know, saluting healthcare workers. That's right. um, and now we're sort of shrugging our shoulders at healthcare workers. What's up with that, soulmates? Mm -hmm. We've got to work on that. And keep, keep that same energy. We, we lose that energy sometimes. Yeah. Well, to all of our soulmates that uh, know your way around the kitchen, <laughs> listen up. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission is reportedly considering a ban on gas stoves. What? Yeah, the ban follows <laughs> reports that cite growing concerns over indoor pollutants caused by natural gas burning that can cause respiratory and health issues. Those reports show about 35% of U.S. homes use gas stoves that release pollutants deemed unsafe. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act gives credits for shifting from gas to electric ranges. You know how long Soulmate's been cooking with gas? It's, it's even a moniker. It cooks better anyway, and electricity is expensive. Come on now. Walmart is taking a questionable pair of boots off store shelves. They have removed the Harnsony men's boot after it was discovered the shoe contained a racially charged acronym, the letters KKK. The Council on American-Islamic Relations brought the product issue to Walmart's attention. Walmart says the boots are inconsistent with its values and that it is reviewing how it became available to begin with since it has a progress uh, process rather in place designed to prevent the sale of such inappropriate items. Soulmates, it's not too late to become a millionaire, maybe even a billionaire. Go buy a ticket tonight and remember to share, as there is still no winner of the historic jackpot. The Mega Millions jackpot now stands at $1.1 billion. That's right, billion with a B. That's the third largest jackpot in Mega Millions history. This after no one matched all six numbers Friday night. Now, if you're still feeling hopeful, and I'm hopeful for you, <laughs> remember, we're in this together. You have until 7.45 tonight mm. to buy a Mega Millions ticket. So you get about, when you win, you get about half of that, right? So it would like 500 million be, be enough for you? Yes. Be enough? Absolutely. No, yeah, but absolutely. Even if it's 10% of that, soulmates, remember, we're in this together. That's right.
cousins, soulmates. <laughs> Do you feel like this is the, the, the hype and the, and the pot is like a man-made kind of thing? I know it's all numbers and they, you know, run it through a computer, but the fact that, you know, as, as many people play, nobody matches. Sometimes I go like, come on now. Because, you know, if you think about it, um, you know, the pot uh, most times goes towards, you know, education and, and, and other um, entities that, that we need that money for. But I also think as far as the hype and getting that jackpot up, I think sometimes it might be a little, you think, might be a little, not, not fixed, but like, you know, like nobody hit the numbers. Well, apparently not, and they didn't even hit and, like five of the and numbers. And every time they do it, it's like an unprecedented amount. So right. it keeps it keeps uh, it keeps topping, you know, itself. So I don't know, but well, hopefully somebody will pull pull out. What would you, what would you do if you won one point one billion dollars? What would you do? Come to work the next day. Would and, you really? And not and not and not tell a soul. You ain't gonna tie. A tithe? Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> I think like there was a but, pause. You know, there was a pause would, right there. I would. And, and I'd get the best bundles and <laughs> the best nails and, yeah. and lashes. And no, really, I, you know, I, I, I have a passion for what I do, so I'd continue to come. But I would give a lot of it away. I really, yeah. I mean, at some point, what can you do yeah. with all of it? You How take much care money of your, you, really you, you take care of you and yours, and then you just, you know, help um, other people's lives. Yeah. You know, pay off houses, cars. You know, I don't. You know, me. Yeah. Whatever somebody would need. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, good. Noted. Yeah. Noted. Remember, soulmates, we're in this together. Mm. Still ahead, a family still in mourning is creating opportunity mm. for other black families. Yeah. When we uh, return from the break, we will break it all down for you. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back, Soulmates. Just in case you're joining us, we'll take it back to the top at a look at our big stories for today. Let's go to Boston, where police are looking for a missing teenager. Last thing, leaving his home Saturday afternoon, the police department said 13-year-old Jamari Norwood, as you see here, was reported missing around 6 p.m. on Sunday. He is described as being a light-skinned black male who's about 5'4 with a skinny build. Police say when he was last seen, he was wearing a black sweatshirt and sweatpants with Nike sneakers uh, that were black, green, and white. Police also say Norwood is known to frequent the South Bay Shopping Center in Dorchester, for those of you familiar with that area. Now, anyone with information is asked to call the number you see here on your screen. In Dallas now, a 12-year-old boy is safe and back home with his family after being reported missing for days. Dallas police tells us that 12-year-old Kalen Speed was initially reported missing on January 9th, last seen by family in the area on Southwest Moreland Road. However, police report this morning that the boy has been found safe, but would not elaborate on where the child was located or where he had been. We are glad to see he is back home. So it's a sign of remarkable progress. Everybody's still talking about it. We're talking Buffalo Bill safety, Damar Hamlin and this amazing recovery. He is back in Buffalo after going into cardiac arrest. You remember and having to be resuscitated on the field during a game in Cincinnati. Hamlin says he's grateful for the awesome care he has received at UCMC. And uh, he also says he's happy to be home. And he says the doctors and nurses at Buffalo General, this is where he is now, uh, have made him feel quite at home. And he's already had a visitor, his head coach, Sean Dermott. And lastly here, 
If at first you don't succeed, try again. You know the song. Stacey Abrams says she's not done trying to make a better Georgia. During her appearance on the Drew Barrymore show, Democratic gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams revealed her intentions to run for political office again. On the show, uh, the topic she focused on was, quote, voter initiatives. When asked what's next, Abrams responded with, quote, I will likely run again. The audience went wild. However, Abrams admitted that she didn't know when she'd run again, but says it'll happen. The Cordelai. Thank you, Courtney. Now off to Tennessee, where Fisk University's gymnastics team has made history by making its NCAA debut. The team became the first from a historically black college or university to appear in an NCAA meet traveling to Las Vegas for the Super 16 event. Now, the appearance for Fisk comes less than 14 months after the school announced its inaugural gymnastics team. Morgan Price, who transferred from Arkansas to Fisk, uh, proved her all-star power as the team's best athlete, competing in four events and earning the meet's highest marks as on the vault with 9.9, a whole 9.9. That's right. Fisk finished in fourth at the meet. Uh, their next appearance will be this Friday versus uh, 2021's national champion, Michigan. Yeah, right up the street there. Oh, you, know, you know something about the folks I, of Michigan. Unfortunately, I, I'm uh -huh. Spartan, so I don't talk too much about them. <laughs> oh, uh -huh. uh, but that's great news. And let's stay with the HBCU news for a minute. As Lincoln University of Missouri has received a $2.9 million endowment, this will allow the university to advance its efforts towards bridging the digital divide. Thanks to the support of the multi-million dollar grant given to the school through an initiative led by the National Telecommunications and Information Administration's Connecting Minority Communities pilot program. That's a mouthful. All right, the project was launched to provide historically black colleges and universities across the country with the equipment and resources for digital connectivity, all in the effort to enhance the learning experience of their students, uh, folks, organizations, um, efforts, still, you know, putting the money, uh, putting the money where, where the mouth is. And we, we were just questioning uh, some of those efforts, especially stemming from um, the uh, the uh, uprise and and how so many corporations and organizations came forward and say hey we're gonna we're gonna contribute we're gonna we're gonna give we're gonna help out and a lot of that money has has gone unseen so it's good to come across reports like this where folks are are making good on some of those promises and it's good to see more investment in digital connectivity mm -hmm. um, you know the last Congress invested a historic amount in broadband across the country there are still too many black communities across the country among other other communities that you know lacked lack that digital connectivity mm -hmm. and so it's good to see that the folks over at Lincoln University uh, in Missouri making that investment in the form of an, an endowment uh, that's a big deal because it's hard to apply for jobs yeah. apply for grants uh, it's it's hard to stay connected with your family remember the dark days of the pandemic right. where you know the best connection we could have was you know on zoom mm -hmm. or or some sort of online platform and so 
digital connectivity is a big deal and uh, I'm just so glad to see one of our great HBCUs yeah. making that kind of investment. You know, it really is the way of the world and uh, if, you, if you're not with it or up on it, as, as some folks would say, it, it, in this day and age you would really, really be lost and that's from, you know, the bigger um, uh, uses until the, the very small uses. We were just talking about, you know, the new way folks uh, have a tendency to uh, send cash and the way that we're now conditioned and encouraged to use cash. That's all, you know, this digital platform and, and just to have to be conscious of your footprint and how you go about it. Um, it, it can it can sometimes be a bit overwhelming, but um, you know when you have programs and, and folks like this pouring into the future, uh, hopefully it'll make uh, make a better way for us as as I continue to you know get into my yesteryears because <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about so much and yeah. let the younger folks kind of deal with the newness of it all, if you will. Well, uh, speaking of legacy and investing in the future, the legacy of George Floyd continues. The Floyd family is currently accepting applications from businesses for grants funded by money from the wrongful death legal settlement with the city of Minneapolis. The Floyd family attorney, Ben Crump, says that businesses can now apply and continue to apply until all the dollars are distributed. Grants will be awarded in the amounts of $5,000, $10,000, and $25,000, although larger grants may be considered. Businesses waiting to apply can do so at www.theward8fund. All right, how about a splash of black excellence as black women continue to thrive in politics, government, and the judicial system? Jackson County Circuit Court of Missouri has announced Judge Jalila Otto right there as the court's newest presiding judge and the first African-American to take on the role in the court's nearly 200-year history. Otto is also the fourth woman to serve as presiding judge. In a release, Jackson County Executive Frank White Jr. says he looks forward to working with Otto, Judge Otto, and the courts to create a more equitable future within the county. We love to see it. You know, we always tap into to black excellence and, and find those stories to bring to you to sort of kind of balance out uh, some of what we also have to report, whether it's, it's black on black or, uh, you know, some suffering inflicted by others. Um, these stories are always good to continue to encourage, inspire, and, and uplift. Yeah, and speaking of uplift, I mean, it's great to see, you know, so many, you know, black folks uh, being elected and appointed to positions that make a material difference in the lives of everyday folks, mm -hmm, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, as, I, as you were reading that story, I was thinking about, you know, how far we've come mm -hmm. uh, since, uh, Michael Brown's death in Ferguson, Missouri, which mm -hmm. is not too far uh, mm -hmm. away from here, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how that community now has uh, uh, a new prosecutor, a black prosecutor, uh, who is making a difference there. Uh, there's a new, there's a black woman who's mayor of St. Louis. Uh, that's a big uh, change uh, for Missouri. Representative Cory Bush was elected uh, to Congress from the area, just an ordinary uh, person who decided that she wanted to do better for her community mm -hmm. by running for Congress. And, and now we see this sister, you know, who's been uh, appointed to the courts. And so since Michael Brown, uh, there's been a lot of change that's happened on the ground there. Um, and certainly we are positioned to make a whole lot more change with uh, folks 
carrying uh, the consciousness and commitment to our communities in Missouri. And so we love to see it. That's right. Coming up, uh, one of America's favorite couples, you ask me, T.I. and Tiny are taking a popular toy company to court. That's right. We're going to tell you why. Plus, Meek Mill is apologizing for his most recent music video. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. We're going to tell you all about what that. What were they thinking? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. All right, soulmates, T.I. and Tiny are headed to court. Uh, the couple is preparing to go to trial in an intellectual property suit against toy maker MGA, MGA Entertainment on behalf of the former girl rap group OMG Girls. Now, the lawsuit claims the toy company ripped off the likeness of the girl group for their LOL surprise dolls after accusations made by T.I.'s stepdaughter, Zanique Pullins, in April of 2022. Zanique who was a member of the OMG Girls, made an Instagram post polling her followers and asking if the dolls resembled her likeness. Most of those who commented sided with her. Now, according to reports, the lawsuit reportedly weighs heavily on cultural misappropriation and racism issues being considered in litigation, among other pretrial issues. All right, soulmates, Meek Mill is apologizing for filming his latest music video in the Ghanaian presidential <laughs> palace. The backlash came in response to Meek's video filmed at the Jubilee House government building in Ghana during the rapper's recent visit. A former official uh, from the president's cabinet tweeted screenshots and posted, uh, quote, all those responsible for this despicable desecration of the Jubilee House by Meek Mill must be fired immediately. How do those explicit lyrics from the president's lectern uh, project Ghana positively? The rapper later took to Twitter to issue a heartfelt apology, stating, quote, to the people of Ghana, no video I drop is ever meant to disrespect the people of Ghana. The fastest way to make connection is through music, and I wanted to do that with displaying art. He continued by apologizing to the people if there was any disrespect. Oh, well, we just reported how great of a visit that was. He was sitting talking to the president about his 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 come up and his childhood. And you didn't hear anything. Uh, I don't know if this thing was leaked or, or what. But then it's like uh, a dun 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 dun, like a, another, a shoe has dropped yeah. after, you know, you have this very positive um, um, message and this very positive uh, visit to Ghana. So it's kind of unfortunate. I don't understand why him or maybe members of his entourage would not deem it disrespectful. I understand, you know, the whole idea, we, we're pulling out our cameras, we're filming, we're doing this, we're doing that. And sometimes maybe we don't think about, you know, the reverence that we should be showing based upon where we might be. Yeah, but, but you know what, but we're, we're, whether they thought they were being disrespectful or they didn't think they mm. were being disrespectful, you're in someone else's home. You're in somebody else's country, you know, and, you know, uh, there shouldn't be a question of whether or not, you know, you're electing to be respectful or not. Uh, they probably wouldn't pull that stunt at the White House. Right. And so why would you mm. go to a foreign country and pull that stunt uh, in in the presidential palace in Ghana? And so it really is in poor taste. And, you know, we know that these sorts of things don't just 
happen spontaneously, right? right? right. I'm sure there are a lot of people that were dialed in in the planning of this. Hmm. Uh, and you know, each one of them you know, should apologize individually. It shouldn't just be Meek Mill, uh, but they all should apologize and they should scrap the video because uh, you know, you're, you're surprising people with, with stunts like that, uh, that's unbecoming. Speaking of an apology, should, should old girl here maybe apologize to Dr. Dre as he has served Marjorie Taylor Greene a cease and desist over her use of Steel Dre. So here's the, here's the scoop. Marjorie Taylor Greene used Dre's Steel Dre in the background of a video she posted to her Twitter feed. So Dr. Dre had his lawyers serve up a controversial Florida Congresswoman with a cease and desist. Now the video was later removed from Twitter and Green was temporarily locked out. In a statement sent to Entertainment Weekly via Dr. Dre's attorneys, the Grammy award-winning artist said that, quote, he has never and will never grant Green permission to use his music to promote her divisive and hateful political agenda. That's a quote there. Back to Ghana. <laughs> Chance the Rapper and Vic Mensa's inaugural Black Star Line Festival in Ghana draws over 52,000 fans. The festival, which took place over the weekend, drawing fans to the historic Black Star Square, the monument to Ghanaians becoming the first sub-Saharan African country to free itself from colonialism in 1957. You know, my dad was seven years old when that mm. happened. Uh, the festival lineup included one of my favorites, Erica Badu, Dave Chappelle, and T-Pain, among others. Now, in a statement, Chance the Rapper said, quote, the Black Star Line Festival is more than just a celebration of black culture and music. It's a chance for the diaspora to come together as a community and remind ourselves of the power that lies within us. We, we love, love, I was gonna say, we love to, we to, love to, see, to, it. to see it and, yes. and, and hear it. And it's, it's, the, it's the flip of, of what we just talked about right. regarding uh, Meek Mill. But there are aspects of, of Meek Mill's visit that was very positive. This Absolutely. was just an unfortunate, uh, unfortunate lack of judgment. But you know, back to Chance the Rapper, I had a former colleague, her name is Kendra G. She joined him uh, over in Ghana and by way of her feed, it looked like uh, an awesome, awesome yeah. time. And uh, big ups to Chance. And and Mensa, uh, some 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 Southside Chi-Town boys getting together, uh, and really, uh, you know, um, underscoring the reach that uh, hip hop and, and its culture has, and 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 how how positive uh, mm -hmm. rappers continue to you know uh, affect this world, especially when you've got the big situation going down in Atlanta with all that activity. Yeah. This is the other side of yeah. of, of hip hop, yeah. of rap music. You know, I mean, and, and back to Meek Mill for a second. You know, I like Meek Mill. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of Meek Mill. I'm rooting for Meek Mill, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think uh, there were some decisions that were made in era when he was in Ghana uh, that pulled focus from the really uh, fantastic aspects of that trip. And so, you know, I'm, I'm always for people course correcting. I'm always for second chances. And speaking of chances, I am a big fan of Chance, Chance the Rapper. The rapper. Um, Chance, if he if he is ever in Detroit, here we go. He need to pull up, right? You know, because uh, we love to talk to him here at Foxwoods Black Report. Not just him as a music artist, but mm -hmm. him as an actor.
activist, mm -hmm. right? As a humanitarian. And as a humanitarian. Yes. He's been doing yes. good work uh, in Chicago and mm -hmm. beyond, and uh, we uh, love to celebrate that. Let's continue with uh, the hip-hop community as two of the biggest names in the industry are collaborating on a new project, 50 Cent and Homie Eminem are coming together, but it's not for an album. The 2002 movie 8 Mile told the fictionalized story of Eminem. Now, 21 years later, rapper 50 Cent reveals he and Eminem are working on an 8 Mile TV series. 50 says the two are in the process of adapting the film for TV, but it's not going to be a remake of the films. The idea behind the TV series is that the show is going to start with a young Eminem who we would watch grow up. Kind of like how the uh, wrestler thing is on television. Oh, mm, I WWF. Nope. Mm -mm. I'll think of his name in a minute. Uh huh. Well, while you're thinking of it, uh, let me just note that Michael Jordan is still bankable. Ooh. All right. Even the vintage MJs. I wish I held on to my MJs because I had a pair just like this. Can you believe it? A pair of Jordan Elevens. They're the Concords, it actually happens to be my hometown, Concord, mm -hmm. California, uh, worn by basketball legend in 1996, has sold for over $92,000 on Rally, That's, which is a marketplace for investors to buy and sell equity shares in collectible assets. Who knew? According to the insider, those who invested early in the autographed collectible saw a nice profit after the shoes sold for almost six figures last week, nearly doubling the early shareholders' money. That is amazing. It, I mean, look, talk about a brand and legacy and, and longevity. I mean, it doesn't get any better. You know, Michael uh, and, and his folks talk about generational wealth can really sit pretty uh, for generations to come. And, uh, you know, like him or not, I know there's a lot of, you know, debate and, and argument about, uh, you know, his relationships with teammates and things of that nature, especially via the documentaries as they provide insight. There is no denying that uh, he is one of the best to ever do it, if not the best, when it comes to all areas and aspects of being an athlete. And, 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 and what you what you can do with that. Well, you it's know, amazing. I'll, it's I'll, an say, amazing I'll, rhyme. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go look at my closet mm -hmm. uh, and, and make <laughs> and sure make sure I don't miss out on, on uh -huh. the next opportunity. Uh -huh. The Rock, The Rock. There's a show out where you look at him as a little kid and he's growing up. That's what I was trying to think of with oh, the Eminem thing. Oh, from earlier. The Young yeah, Rock, yeah. something like that. Uh -huh. So it sounds like that Eminem 50 Cent project would be something like that. It, look, it, looks, it looks good. Very it looks interesting. Good. And I think, the, I think the people here in Detroit, mm -hmm. you know, gives folks here something else to be excited about. Oh, we'll take it. Well, there's more for you to be excited about. Mm -hmm. Fox News Black Report uh, still has more ahead. Yeah, when we come back, we'll get back into black excellence like you've never seen before. We'll be right back. Stay close. All right, Soulmates, Eden Scott McLaughlin is a seven-year-old author from Fayetteville, North Carolina, who recently released his first book titled Eden Saves the Day, The Adventures of Captain oh, Cleanup. You gotta love it. Now, the book helps kids understand the importance of helping and how important it is to keep the environment clean. Eden is the main character who transforms into superhero Captain Cleanup, who fights crime, helps the elderly, protects animals, and cares for the environment by recycling and picking up trash. Eden says he decided to write the book to inspire kids to help out in any way they can and hopes the book will help everyone see the importance of lending a hand and keeping the environment clean. Very nice.
All right, a 10-year-old brain cancer survivor and his dad create the Little Hands basketball program for children in the Cleveland area. That's right. Ryan Ransel and Dad Harold are making a difference in their community following Ryan's 2014 brain cancer diagnosis. The fifth grader underwent three brain surgeries, and since then he has flourished in life and joined forces with his dad using their love for basketball to teach the youth at Citizens Academy Southeast. In a recent interview with NBC News, Ryan said, quote, my favorite part about being a coach is inspiring other people to pursue their dreams. Ryan went on to say that, uh, that in his testimony, uh, his, his testimony is definitely the driving force behind the creation of the program. And moving right along with more uh, black excellence from the young people, students. That's right. And their teacher at GW Carver High School in Birmingham win a $10,000 award for creating an app to help prevent gun violence. That's right, the money will be used towards the advancement of their app, which has provided a platform for students to connect with peers based on common interests in an effort to prevent gun violence. The students won the fund through a competition hosted by All Tech Industries. The development of the app merges the students' efforts to get more involved in school activities and to reduce the chances of them being involved in gun violence. Inspiration for the app also came from students the school lost to gun violence over the past two years. Now, according to reports, plans for the app include an official launch of the software on the Apple App Store by the end of spring semester 2023. I got high hopes for this new generation. I, I love it. I Black do excellence. too. I do too. This is this is terrific. I mean, yeah. it's good to see folks just as active mm -hmm. in the physical world mm -hmm. as they are in the digital world. That is right. Good show today. Great show. Great mm -hmm. stories. Uh, you know, lots of good information mm -hmm. and, and also lots of black excellence. That's it. That's right. I'm the Cordelai Corte. And I'm Courtney Hicks. Until next time, soulmates, stay, stay lifted. lifted. <laughs>